Good afternoon, Tolvis. Welcome, and, uh, and those of you who are worshiping with us for the first time, welcome to uh, Every Nation Rosebank. It's the 12 o'clock service. Uh, my name is Lireko, and I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, we, we have just, uh, we've just come through the, the Your Best Year Yet series, uh, which was amazing. If you missed uh, out on that series or there's some, there's some teachings that you missed on that series, I want to encourage you to go back and download the podcasts um, and really build some of those principles into your life uh, so that the best year of your life doesn't last as long as the series. Amen. Uh, that you're living out these principles beyond the series and throughout this year that you're seeing a more prosperous year than you've ever seen before, pros- prosperous in, 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 in all the forms um, of, of prosperity. I was so encouraged yesterday morning. Uh, we had our Connect Convergence, uh, and we had uh, a whole lot of our Connect leaders who are meeting upstairs, and we had a full house. I mean, uh, we, we are growing our Connect groups, and people are, are, are putting their hands up to lead groups, and there were multiple testimonies that were being shared about new groups that were starting, uh, sometimes four up to seven groups that were coming out of one Connect group. One connect group planting multiple groups. So that was a real sign of fruitfulness. Uh, And the reason that's worth celebrating is because the more connect groups we have, the more people we're going to reach in the city. And and so that's, isn't that just the most logical thing you've ever heard? We want to reach the city, we want to reach more people, let's start more connect groups. Invite more people into these connect groups. And we engage them and interact with them uh, through the gospel. So it was an incredible time. One of the reflections that I took away from, uh, from, from Saturday morning uh, was a teaching uh, done by, by Pastor Jesse, and she was um, talking about building culture, the kind of culture that we want to see going, going forward, and three elements uh, that, um, that are good for us to put a magnifying glass over, one being our values. What, what is it that we believe, or we think we believe, or we say we believe? And do we talk about the things that we believe? So what is our narrative about our values? Do we talk about these things? And not only do we talk about them, what is our behavior that is linked to them? Do we do it? We, we, we say we believe it, we talk about it, and we do it. And, uh, and I, was, um, I was just thinking, uh, I wonder if we were to look at the life of Jesus, the way that Jesus did life, what would we be able to tell about his values and the culture that he was instilling by studying his life. And I think one of the key things that we would come across, certainly I come across it every time I look at the journey of Jesus, is that Jesus valued the lost. Amen. He valued people who had not yet had a chance to meet him, had not yet come into the kingdom, and he went after them. In fact, a lot of what Jesus spoke about was going after people. You know, the, remember the story of the, of, the, of the shepherd who leaves the 99 sheep and goes after the one? That's, that's leaving something established, going after one and until he finds it. So he goes after one until he finds it, brings it back, celebrates with everybody because he has found the one. A lot of the, the parables that Jesus shares about what the kingdom is like is that the kingdom goes into situations that have no light, that have no shelter, that have no sustenance, that have no hope, and the kingdom ushers in light and hope and provision and sustenance and shelter. 
And so Jesus is about the one. And you're going to hear us talk a lot more about this one because we're wanting to align our hearts to the heartbeat of Jesus. And if Jesus is valuing the one, then we are determined to value the one. And so you're going to hear a lot more about this, and I want to encourage you to get on board. And if the concept of speaking to people or reaching out to people with the gospel scares you, pray about it. Sort it out, because we're not moving away from this agenda. Jesus is still on this agenda, and we want to keep up with him. Amen. And, and, uh, and so... And so I want to encourage you to, to really uh, ask Jesus to give you a heart for the one and to show you who are the ones in your life, in your sphere, uh, that he's calling you to reach out to. Will you turn with me in your Bibles, please, to John chapter 1. In the book of John chapter 1, we're going to look at the story of Philip and Nathaniel. And it's a very interesting story. And, uh, and, and the lens that I want us to look at the story with is to put ourselves alongside these two guys and to ask ourselves this question, whether this story of Philip and Nathaniel is a story that is still relevant to us today. And if so, then what is it saying to us about the one. And just in case you haven't brought your Bibles with you today, I do have it up there somewhere. I'm being nice today. Normally, you know, I don't, I don't put the scriptures up there. I want you to read your Bible. But we're going re to read the scripture from up here today. So uh, chapter 1, verse 43 to 51 reads thus. The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these and he said to him, most assuredly I say to you, hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Amen. Wonderful portion of scripture. And you know that I love scripture. I think scripture uh, speaks for itself. And if we'll just go to the Bible, open the Bible, read the Bible, engage with the Bible, we allow the scriptures to cleanse us, we allow the scriptures to teach us, to correct us, to inspire us, and to show us how to live better lives. And so if we're just looking at this particular portion of scripture, and we're looking at it through the just one lens, and asking ourselves, what is there for us to glean? What is there for us to learn about reaching people through the scripture? The first thing that pops out to me at least 
is that if we're going to be effective in the reaching of people and in the advancing of the kingdom, we are going to have to be intentional. Jesus, says the scripture, wanted to leave or wanted to go to Galilee. He wanted to go to Galilee. And, and, the, and the context is where they were at at that moment was in the region of the Jordan, which is close to Jerusalem. Somebody who wants to leave Jerusalem and go to Galilee has to be intentional. You don't just happen to pass by. You plan it. You're intentional. You exert the effort. There is a reason for it. There is a reason why you're willing to walk that distance. Jesus was passionate about the mission that he was on. He didn't need any extra motivation. He wanted to go to Galilee. He wanted to go to Galilee, and the scriptures tell us that he found Philip there. Now, words are important, saints, because if he found Philip, that tells me that he didn't just kind of bump into Philip. He wasn't walking by down some street, and he kind of bumped into Philip and went, hey, I like the way you walk. Follow me. Walk with me. No, he was looking for Philip, and he found Philip. There was a divine appointment set between, between Jesus and Philip on that day. I love how intentional Jesus is. Don't you love how intentional Jesus is? Think, think through the, the, the myriad of stories that we read about Jesus in the Bible. What about the story of how he interacts with the Samaritan woman at the well? That was an intentional appointment. That story tells us that Jesus had to go through a particular area in order to get to the well, and he waited there for her because he was intentional about that appointment. There are many other instances where we see Jesus being intentional with appointments, with kingdom appointments. If we are going to be effective in our reaching of people and in our advancing of the kingdom, it's going to take intentionality, folks. It's not just going to happen. So Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he finds Philip and then extends this invitation, come and follow me. See, we believe in reaching out to the lost. We believe in the advancement of the kingdom. So, so we carry that passion, and we may even believe in interacting with people that don't yet know Jesus. We may believe in interacting with people in, the, in our social spheres, our colleagues, our families, wherever we may be. We may believe in getting into those spaces, but where the wheels tend to come off the wagon is that last bit where we start having to use words. Because as long as I can be friends with people, I can manage that. And I'll just be friends with people who don't know Jesus, and I'm going to love them so much that they're going to flop into the kingdom. I'm just going gonna, gonna to hug them. I'm going to love them. I'm going to attend to them. I'm, I'm going to care for them. I'm going to serve them. And through all of that, they will come into the kingdom. Guess what? It's your words that will bring people into the kingdom. We can't escape it. It's through the preaching of the gospel that we're saved. It's through the hearing of the gospel that our faith is stirred up. We have to use words. Now, be nice to people. Treat people nicely. Be kind. Serve them. Notice them. All of that. But let that be a backing for your words. It's not a substitute for your words. These things go hand in hand. You still have to extend the invitation. You still have to engage people with the truth of the gospel. And this is what Jesus did. He has a desire and a passion. And if you don't have a desire and a passion to see people come into the kingdom, I encourage you to take that to Jesus. 
and to allow him to minister into that area. As lovers of Jesus, we need to stir up in ourselves a passion to see other people come into the kingdom. He has a passion, and, he, and he, as he, he's intentional about that passion, so he goes out and he seeks Philip. He finds him, and he engages him. Now, there's another bit of Scripture, or the very next bit of Scripture, that is an interesting tidbit, something that we could easily overlook because we don't see how it could possibly add value to the story. And this information is that Philip was from a town called Bethsaida. In fact, it says, Philip and Andrew and Peter were all from this town. Now, we could easily move on because we see the story moving on because we don't really understand what that has to do with anything. Until we have an understanding, that word Bethsaida means house of fishing. So what that tells me is that Philip, Andrew, and Peter grew up in a village where fishing was their way of life. What they knew was fishing. What they were taught was fishing. What they observed every single day was fishing. In fact, they had no formal school education because their education was apprenticeship into fishing. So they would have been tempted, I'm sure, when Jesus extends an invitation to them to show Jesus that Jesus, my CV doesn't qualify. I don't have a formal schooling education. I don't have, I haven't memorized all the books of the Bible. I don't have a theological grounding. All I know is fishing. But you see, Jesus wasn't looking for the academic scholars. If he was looking for the scholars, Jesus would have stayed in Jerusalem because that's where the scholars were, that's where the temples are, and where the Pharisees are. He wasn't looking for the scholars. He wasn't looking for the deep thinkers. If he was looking for the deep thinkers, he would have gone to Greece, and he would have sat at the Areopagus, and he would have sat with the deep thinkers because that's what they did all day. They sat and they discussed ideas. Jesus wasn't looking for the deep philosophical thinkers. Jesus wasn't even looking for military power. If he was looking for military power, Jesus would have gone to Caesar and he would have engaged Caesar and said, Caesar, you follow me and you cause your armies to submit to me and we will advance my kingdom through your army. But Jesus was not looking for military power. Jesus was looking for a bunch of fishermen because he was looking to use those practical skills, blow life on them, and give them a spiritual authority, build a spiritual truth on them. So when, when he engages the guys and he's saying, "Not you have been fishers, now I call you to be fishers of men. He's saying, you've got skills, perspective, you, you've got unique abilities, you've got a unique experience that I am now going to use to advance my kingdom. Saints, you've got skills, you've got perspective, You've got experience. You've got things that other people don't have that Jesus is waiting to use for the advancement of his kingdom and you're still waiting for a theological degree to qualify. Jesus is not interested in your paperwork. Come to him with the skills and the experience that you have. I love that, uh, that even Paul, who was called by Jesus, who was, who was a scholar, and, and, and the word tells us that he was, he, he was a scholar, he was a tent maker, so he was able to relate with the scholars and reason with them, but he was also able to sit 
and mend and build tents with the common man. He was able to relate with these people. In fact, because, because, uh, because Paul was a tent maker, he understood the importance of rope, wood, animal hide in the making of a quality tent. This positioned him well to be used by Jesus as a father and a covering over many churches because he understood how many component parts can come together to build something beautiful. See, Jesus is interested in your experiences. Jesus is interested in what you know, what you can do, because those are the skills that he's going to use to advance his kingdom. So Philip interacts with Jesus and immediately goes and he finds his friend. Why? Because found people find people. Found people find people. Philip tasted of something that he couldn't keep to himself, that he had to go and share with his friend. Nathaniel, you will never believe it. I ran into a guy, and he's, you remember those stories we, had, we heard as a kid of the coming Messiah? Know how we sat in temple and we were taught about the branch of Israel? Remember how we were taught about Emmanuel, about the Prince of Peace? Guess what? I met him. I met him. He starts to share his experience. It's important to point out at this point that Philip was a very, very, very new believer when he started to share the gospel. But that didn't stop him. At this point, when we find Philip, he hasn't yet done the one-to-one. He hasn't done Victory Weekend yet. He hasn't been through any of our courses. Now we're getting to him. We'll we'll put the one-to-one in his hand. We'll get him through Victory Weekend. We'll get good foundations in him, and we'll teach him all the stuff. But he hasn't done all the stuff yet, but he's already reaching people. He's already preaching the gospel. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? This training, that training. How many trainings have you been to? You got all the certificates. But do you have people around you that you have led into the kingdom? Philip tasted and he went to his friend and he said, you have to taste what I have tasted. Now, because he, he was a new believer, he didn't, have, he didn't have all the theological backing, right? So what did he have? He had a circle of friends. So that's where he went. He hadn't been on a mission yet, but he had some friends. So he went to his friend and he said, you have to taste what I have tasted. He used familiar points of reference. Remember that? The Messiah, the one we've engaged on. You have familiar points of reference with your circles. You have conversations that people are having with you that are God moments, reference points. If somebody has spoken to you about a particular stress in their lives, that's a reference point. That's a God moment. If somebody walks into the office tomorrow and they're limping because there's a part of their body that's not working right or they've got a a collar on or they've got an arm brace, whatever it is, that's a God moment. That's an opportunity for you to pray for that person and use that as a reference point. If somebody's saying to you, hey man, we both know the company is not doing well. There are threats of retrenchment. How are you not in a tailspin? How are you not panicking? Reference point, God moment right there. That's an opportunity to engage that person with the gospel. If all you have, saints, is your testimony, then you are rich in resources because your testimony is powerful. 
Your testimony cannot be refuted. See, you can learn all the stuff. People can argue you out of anything, but nobody can argue you out of the power of testimony, the power of your, your changed life, the experience that you had that took you from where you were to where you are today. No one can argue you out of that. Philip didn't even feel the need to answer any of these questions. He didn't feel the need to have the answers. He just engaged with what he knew. So he engages Philip. You have to come. There's this guy. I've met him. What does Nathaniel say? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Why? Because Nathaniel knew, knew some of the scriptures. So he knew that the Messiah was supposed to come out of Bethlehem, not Nazareth. See, there are Nathaniels that you are going to interact with who know the scriptures, who are going to hit you back with scriptures when you try and engage them with the gospel. Some people will know the scriptures better than you do. Engage them anyway. You don't have to know the answers. When Philip didn't know the answers, when he was done sharing his testimony and Nathaniel still had questions, guess what? I don't know, but come and see. Come and see, extend an invitation. I've had this experience that impacted my life greatly. I want you to engage in it. I want you to be part of it. I want you to benefit from it. And somebody is, is engaging you with questions or, 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 or is, de is debating with you and you don't know the answers. Hey, you don't have to know the answers. Invite them to church. If you know the answers and you are a biblical scholar, engage with the academic elite. Engage them. But if you don't know, engage with what you have. Use the tools that you have. Your testimony, use it. The power of invitation, use it. I love, I love the greeting that Jesus gives to Nathaniel and Philip as they're approaching him. So remember, Philip goes to engage him, and they've now engaged, and Nathaniel is curious, so he wants to come and meet this Messiah. And on their way to, 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 to meet the Messiah, Jesus is watching them go, coming towards them, and he goes, Nathaniel, a Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. That's powerful. That lets me know that Jesus is African at heart. Afri African greetings are poetic. African greetings, they don't have to make sense, right? You just have to feel like, you, you know how you greet and you feel like, I, I just need to take my hat off for this moment, right? And, and, then, and they're not rushed. I love how African greets, you can't do an African greet like this on your way to fetch your report and then back. No, when you, when you greet the African way, you have to slow down. And Jesus slows down, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. If I were to meet you in my home village, and you were coming down the hill, and I saw you coming down, and I wanted to extend a greeting, I might tip my hat to you, and I might shout out, <laughs> If I were to interpret that to you, really doesn't have anything to do with an actual greeting. <laughs> In fact, here's the direct translation. Those calves and their calves. <laughs> That's the greeting. <laughs> and, and we have a whole moment about it. <laughs> Nothing to do with an actual greeting. But, but guess what? It opens something up because Nathaniel goes, 
How do you know me? How do you know? The way you're greeting me tells me that you know me. That you know me. If you greet me by, how's it? That's okay. How's it? High five, shake of hand. But if you greet me, if I'm coming along and you greet me, how do you know me? <laughs> you. That, 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 opens, that opens avenue for engagement. And Jesus says this. He says, before Philip engaged you, before Philip spoke to you, while you were still sitting under the fig tree, I saw you. Saints, in today's age, we see, we see a lot of things. We see, we see traffic. We see lines. We see inconveniences. We see things to be avoided. But my question to you is, do we still see people? Jesus saw Nathaniel. Not just a, a shallow kind of saw, I saw you somewhere. He saw him. He noticed him. He slowed down for him. Do you know, you know that how impactful it is when somebody slows down for you and they greet you, how are you doing, and they actually wait for you to, to respond? We don't have that anymore. It's sometimes weird for me because I'm so used to the, good, good, how are you? And then somebody actually wants the actual, now I'm like, ah, I have to think how I am, and this person is actually serious. Ah, oh, man. <laughs> and I was going to the bathroom. And <laughs> this, this, this greeting, this word, Saubona, is, is a Zulu word, um, which means I, I see you. It's, it's, an, it's a greeting, but it means I see you. We, we have lost that in our culture because we've lost the core of the meaning of, of some of these words. So, so we use it flippantly and we move on. What I want to encourage you with, saints, is next time you shake somebody's hand, give them a high five, a hug, a greeting, and you say, Saubona, actually see them. Actually mean it. Actually take note. Because when you take note, when you see somebody, people are not used to being seen. Especially in Joburg, people are not used to being seen. They used to be, if I'm walking, I avoid this person, avoid, just kind of like go about my business and I'll talk to you if I need to. But people are not used to people stopping and noticing them. When you stop and you notice people, you know what happens? You start to see through the facade. You start to see through the pretense. You start to see through the things that people have put around them. You see past the, 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 the illusion of the perfect family and, and the car that I'm driving and the, and the title that's next to my, my business card and the, and, and, the, and the designer suit that I'm wearing and, 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 and the kind of body that I have and the, the smile or, or, or the false confidence that I portray and you see into my desperate soul. And you recognize that I'm hungry and I'm thirsty for what you have. Because if you see past that, then you will be inspired to share with me what you have. If you don't see past that, you may fall into the deception of thinking that I'm just fine. I don't need that. Because I have it all together. Notice people. See people. The conversation that Jesus has with Philip is different from the conversation that he has with Nathaniel. Notice that. With Philip, he says, follow me. And Philip falls into the kingdom. And, and with Nathaniel, he engages him at various stages. 
First Philip had to engage him. Then Jesus had to engage him. And they had to have a back and forth. And then Philip comes into the kingdom. We, ha- we engage people differently. We don't apply a one-size-fits-all approach to people, but we have to trust and ask God for the keys that will unlock revelation as we engage people. Each person has a key. Each person has a key, a touch point that will unlock revelation. For Philip, that was being invited into something greater, something bigger than himself. For Nathaniel, it was being noticed, being seen. For somebody else, it may be being cared for, being served, the supernatural, or seeing the supernatural having its, its, its outworking. Whatever that thing is, you have to ask the Lord, in that, whether in that moment or prior, what is the key that's going to unlock revelation for my friend? Because that's the key that I want to use. Some people... will engage you with questions, and that's okay. Some of you maybe are here and you're engaging Jesus with questions, and maybe you're here because you're asking, you're genuinely asking, and that's a good place, that's okay. Nathaniel asked questions, and that was okay. Jesus didn't rebuke Nathaniel for asking questions. He didn't say, tell, say it was a lack of faith or anything of that sort. It's good to ask questions, and if people are asking questions, that's okay. Engage them, and if you don't know the answers, that's okay also. Invite them. Now, we get to, to, to the point where, where Jesus has been engaging with Nathaniel, and Nathaniel believes, and he, he makes that faith declaration, you're the son of God. And, and Jesus said, well, you believe, guess what? You're going to see some awesome stuff. You're going to see heaven open, and you're going to see angels descending and ascending upon the son, the son of man. Jesus is saying, that's the whole point. The point of why we engage people with the gospel is so that they might know Jesus. And if they know Jesus, then their eyes are opened to an eternal reality and they start living from an eternal perspective. The reason why we engage people with the gospel is eternity. So when we compare eternity versus the momentary discomfort, the momentary doubt of should I or should I not, surely Eternity should far outweigh that discomfort, that doubt, that sense of, I don't know. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I'm not enough. I don't know enough. So I, I feel like a bit of a hypocrite. I, I, I have sinned in my life, and what do I, how can I tell somebody else not to sin when I have sinned? Jesus, is, Jesus didn't go to the, to, 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 to the pious and to the righteous or so-called righteous. He went to some fishermen, and he called them. He said, you with what you have, you and your baggage, come here. I will use you and your baggage to advance the kingdom. Amen. Let's stand together. Jesus is getting ready to use, to use you and your baggage for the advancement of the kingdom. Your baggage is not the reason why we don't advance the kingdom. Jesus redeems that. And he advances the kingdom. Your lack of experience is, why we don't, is not why we don't advance the kingdom. Jesus uses the experiences that you do have. Your lack of knowing the Bible is not why you don't advance the kingdom. You have a testimony. Share that. Jesus uses that. And I want to pray. I want to pray for those of you who are making a commitment before God to go, I, I, have, some, I have some Nathaniels in my life uh, that I need to interact with, that I need to reach out to. And Lord, empower me. Uh, and give me boldness and give me grace. If that is you, would you just lift your hands as, as I pray? 
Uh, Father, you see these hands, and I pray, Father, that you would pour out your blessing, that you would pour out your grace on them. Father, I pray that you would blow life into their words, that you would use their experiences, that you would use uh, their unique talents and gifts and, and perspectives to preach the gospel effectively. Give them each a revelation of what is the key that unlocks revelation in each of their relationships in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Just If we could just stay in that place of uh, our, our eyes closed and and remaining in prayerful before the Lord because there are some of us who, who, who prayed because we want to reach some people, and there are some of us who know that Jesus is pursuing us. We are the Phillips, and so I want to pray for some Phillips in the house tonight who Jesus has pursued you. He has pursued you. Um, he has come far to, to pursue you, and you know he's pursuing you because you know he wants to be in relationship with you, and you know that you are not in relationship with him. Uh, and maybe you used to be in relationship with him, but today you're not in relationship with him, and he wants to restore that. Um, and so I want to pray for those Philips who are in the house who are saying, yes, uh, we want to respond to that call of Jesus that's saying, come and follow me. Um, and would you raise your hand as I pray if you are a Philip who's responding to the call to follow Jesus? Raise your hands high so that I, I'm, not, I'm not confused. Um, if, you, if, you, if you're saying, pray for me because... I want to come into relationship with Jesus. I don't have relationship with Jesus. Well, I used to have relationship with Jesus, but no longer. But I want to respond to that call. I want to pray for you. Thank you, Father. Just raise your hands high, saints. It's, it's not a... Don't be embarrassed. Thank you. Thank you. Father, you see, you see the hands raised. I pray, Father, that you would meet with these Philips who are raising their hands, that you would call them into the kingdom. And if you still need to raise your hand, go ahead and raise your hand. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for those raised hands. Thank you for these Philips that you're calling into the kingdom. And saints, I want to take one last step, and, and that is that if you, if you have your hands raised, um, I want to ask you to just grab your belongings, and would you just come up to the front? We want to celebrate with you. We want to pray for you as a family. If you had your hands raised, please make your way to the front. Uh, this is a real family moment. This is an opportunity for us to come around you um, and celebrate with you as you not only decide in your heart, but you declare in public that, yes, I actually am not ashamed of the gospel. Yes, I actually am not ashamed of Jesus. And yes, I am responding to his invitation. And I want to make that public declaration. Come up to the front. Come up to the front. We'll wait for you. Come on up. Come on up. Come on up. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. You, can, you guys can just, can just come to the front here. Sorry. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. We're going to pray. Um, there were one or two more hands that were raised. If you, we, we still want to keep the door open for you, so please come on up if you did raise your hand. Please don't be embarrassed. Even if you're coming up as we're praying, we'll wait for you. It's okay. Thank you, Father. I want to honor you guys for an awesome decision that you're making. You guys are brave souls. This is what Jesus says in, in the Bible. He says that those who deny me before people, I will deny them before the Father. If you deny, if you take this opportunity to deny Jesus, Jesus says he denies you before the Father. He doesn't know you. But if he, he says this, those who acknowledge me before people, I acknowledge before the Father. So this is what's happening in heaven right now. He's saying, this one, Father, this one, she is mine. 
this one, this one, he is mine. Thank you, Father. He's saying these two are mine. He's acknowledging you before the Father. Well done for taking that awesome, awesome step. I want to just pray with you guys. So if you'll just follow me as I, as I say this prayer. And we'll pray together as a family because this is a real family moment. So just pray this. Lord Jesus, thank you for saving me today. I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you died and that you rose again. And that because of this, I am saved and I have eternal life. I pray that I would never be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen.